Friendship power flop. Friendship power flop. Let's go shonen flop. Let's go shonen flop. Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and shonen jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about Matsuma Security Spirit Busters. And we're joined by our guest, Tom. Hey, everyone. I'm Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Do you prefer to go as Tom or like Congressman Tom? What's like your preference? <laughs> <laughs> So as I was telling Jordan, Tom is currently the Green Party nominee for Congress in South Carolina, right? Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Before you guys go any further, let me explain that I have no idea if this is a joke or not. It's a joke for me. I don't think it is for David. He really wants me to run for Congress. (laughs) (laughs) I really think Tom would make an excellent congressman in North Carolina. Not South Carolina, because he doesn't live in South Carolina. That's correct. I was talking to David the other day, and he's like, oh, cool. I have my friend on named Tom, who is a congressman, so that should really help with popularity. I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's interesting. (laughs) When we were talking about, should we do like a political episode? He's like, there's no reason that Tom is the guest on that episode. (laughs) Well, apparently he's not a congressman, so yeah, there isn't a reason. He's a congressman in my heart. (laughs) David, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I don't even know anymore. All right, we will kill that joke, much like how Spirit Busters is about, you guessed it, spirits. (laughs) Jordan, why don't you lead us off with giving us some details about the run of this series? Mitama Security Spirit Busters ran between September 2nd, 2019 and August 11th, 2020. So it got canceled pretty recently, had 47 chapters and a little special. The manga was nominated for the sixth Suginikuru Manga Taisho Awards and placed 13th out of the 50 nominees. Aren't you glad you didn't have to pronounce that, David? I sure am. The author's name is, uh, Hatamune Surun. His other notable work was Mukidashi no Hakucho, which was about a beautiful high school student, and it ran for four volumes. Yeah, so I don't know if it was ever officially translated, but that's literally all I could find was, like, a Google translated, like, article that just described it as, if you look at the cover art, it's literally just, like, a really handsome man standing by himself. <laughs> And I guess that's the gimmick is like, wow, this man is really attractive, but he's a high school student. How can that be? What? Pretty people don't go to school. I mean, have you seen high schoolers? That's not totally untrue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jordan, thank you for telling us about kind of the actual runtime of the series. But let's get into actually talking about this series itself. Oh, Tom, sorry. Did you have anything you want to talk about in terms of manga details? (laughs) Nope. Anytime manga comes up, I am quiet. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what you could talk about. (laughs) You're like, oh, this is that left to right stuff, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) This makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) I love how anime memes has like all these comics where it makes fun of you if you read it like left to right or right to left. (laughs) And it's like, you fucking weeb trash. I know you're reading this strip properly. To get into the series, Matsu Security Spirit Busters is a gag manga about Rina Haze, a teenage girl who, due to her unique spiritual energy, is haunted by over a hundred spirits. To help her manage these spirits, she's protected by Joe Mitama, a member of Security, a pun on Rei, which means spirit in Japanese. So it's spelled S-E-C-U-R-E-I-T-Y, and he moves in next door to take care of her. Joe, however, is afraid of ghosts, and as such, is very ineffective in his role. Lucky for him, it turns out the spirits are mostly 
mostly harmless and actually quite beneficial. As such, the series follows their day-to-day ghost-related hijinks, such as playing basketball, cooking, and even going on dates with these spirits. There are, however, a few minor plot elements, such as one of the most powerful members of security, called the body. <laughs> Each of their names are like puns, so it's like you have like arm, head, shoulders. My favorite one is Elbow. Yes, Elbow <laughs> is, he's a baseball pitcher. In one of the two real, like, arcs of the series, they have to play a game of baseball in order to save the spirits from being destroyed by the body. <laughs> There's some commentary around the fact that basketball was used to exercise them and baseball was used to save them. I don't know what that is, but there's a lot of sports here. <laughs> yeah, they play basketball. They play dodgeball. Do they play volleyball? I don't think they play volleyball. Oh, volleyball seems like it would have been so obvious. So one of the jokes in this series is that the main character has like a spirit attack, but it's pretty much like harmless. So people just use it as like a ball. Yeah. They literally are playing basketball with this dude's like energy attack. <laughs> but my favorite is dodgeball where they're literally hitting the spirits with this ball directly and it doesn't do anything to them. <laughs> It's too bouncy. <laughs> we just got off the plot section to just talk about stuff that happened in the manga, because there's really no plot. I was actually really fine with it, because this series literally, it's like, we're going to do plot for three chapters, and then we're going to have a cooking competition, or find out, is Joe as good a mom as Haze's real mom in a mom-off? <laughs> Which he wins. It's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, I feel, the reverse of Bone Collection. It's a great parallel. Just to finish up talking about the other major arc, and obviously they win the baseball game, is one day Joe mysteriously disappears. The gang thinks that just, you know, his work is done. These are good spirits. He doesn't need to take care of anyone or protect anyone from these spirits. So, you know, he can go back to an our mission. However, it actually turns out that he is training in Antarctica to learn this ultra-powerful technique called the spirit ice fist because there's this villain called Papoki who is an evildoer that is actually able to turn spirits into his minions for nefarious deeds. They have an intense battle at security HQ. Body teams up with all the main characters and they manage to defeat him and he's able to master the super technique to freeze all the spirits. So, you know, everything works out and they have a few like 10 or so other chapters of just hijinks. Do you remember how he was training? He was playing basketball with polar bears in the Antarctic. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> I did some digging. This series is actually a sequel to Slam Dunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. That's not true, but that's a good series. <laughs> Tom's like, oh, that's a reference I don't get, because that's a series I've never heard of before. I'm just waiting for Jordan's reactions, and I gauge my reaction off of that. <laughs> I still love how last episode, Sarah really wasn't big in a manga either, but when it came to recommendation time, she recommended an anime that Jordan and I had never heard of before. Yeah, I still don't know what that thing was. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this series? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh, you should check out Naruto. Yeah. Like <laughs> Hit her power level fucking like a champ. She hustled us. Sarah, great guest. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Just to finish up the plot summary, in the last chapter, there is a time skip where Rena is now living on her own after making it into a local junior college because she was pretty shit at school since she was haunted by a hundred spirits. Except it turns out that every single main character of this series has decided to move into the same building so they can keep going on adventures together. And it ends with a really cute, like, group photo of them all together, knowing that they're going to still be friends no matter what. I feel like this series ended in, like, the best way it could have, given the situation. 
Yeah, so, Tom, for context, authors of Shonen Jump have three chapters to wrap things up when they get cancelled. Right. This series didn't really care that it got cancelled for the last, like, second-to-last chapter. Like, you wouldn't have known it was the second-to-last chapter. You know, it was just kind of episode of the week, so it's like, yeah, fuck, I'll just end it in the last chapter. There's no, like, plot threads I need to wrap up. Just like any good writer, when you get cancelled, you do a time jump. That's how you end any story. <laughs> you joke, but that's literally how half the manga that we read end. Oh, good. <laughs> Jordan, I'm thinking through it, so let's see. Zip Man, yes. Robot Laser Beam, yes. Guardian of the Witch, yes. Guardian of the Witch is, like, the biggest offender in this situ- in this case. Yeah, so Tom, Guardian of the Witch was this pretty bad series we read, where it literally, they're, like, trying to find a cure for, like, this, like, monster infection that's killing people. <laughs> and they're like, we found a cure, and everything's exactly perfect, and now there's no downside, so everything is great. The last, like, five pages of the last chapter is, we cured it! We're not gonna explain how, it just worked. Yeah. <laughs> But the point is, like, 90% of these series have, like, a time skip to wrap things up. Though this one did, too, so I guess we can't really harp on it. Yeah, this series pulls it off partly because there's no plot. While there is no plot, there are some pretty interesting characters. So, Jordan, would you like to lead things off by discussing Joe? Mitama Joe is a fucking great character. I love him. Even though his job is to fight ghosts and exercise them, he is deathly afraid of them. Like, he has a severe phobia of ghosts and spirits, even though that's, like, literally his job. And it's great the way that it manifests. The other thing is that he has, like, a Super Saiyan mode that activates when he cries, he's an angry crier, which I think a lot of people, including myself, can relate to. But, like, his whole thing is that he's technically very gifted, but he is just a horrible fit for the job that he's trying to do. Like, there's a section where he's fighting against people, and he beats the shit out of them, like, really easily. And he even says, I would never lose to humans. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't fight ghosts then. He also has a fucking amazing introduction where Riza Haze is walking around with a hundred spirits behind her. He shows up and tries to do these folk remedies to exercise the spirits, like he throws salt on them and waves like these flags. But what he does is he does a cool pose. But I love the way that the author shows it because you see a little panel depicting him jumping into the pose and settling into the pose. So you see, like, the the awkward transitions, and it really gets apart. Oh, this guy's, like, uncool, but he's trying to be cool. And it's great. I totally agree. I would say he's an honorary, wholesome anime dad. Yeah. Joining the dude from Golem Hearts and the guy from Bone Collection. Well, I guess a quality mom based on how he won the mom off. Yeah, he's a mom, David. For context, Reyna, <laughs> her mom comes in and she's like, why are you hanging out with this, like, 30-something-year-old guy or how 20-whatever? And she's like, are you trying to take care of her like you're a parent? She gets really upset and they have, like, a mom competition. And it's, like, trying to make her favorite snack and, like, her mom makes her, like, some comfort food. But he makes her, like, a really wholesome meal so she'll grow big and strong. <laughs> and then just, like, his mom levels, they're beyond comparison. <laughs> He's a truly powerful mom. He's not doing it to win. He's doing what's best for her. It's great. (laughs) He's a great guy. I love how he's just too afraid to shoot his gun. So, like, he spins it around (laughs) like a frisbee. He has a gun explicitly meant to um, exercise spirits. But every time he tries to fire it, he's so afraid of firing the gun that he just blatantly easily misses. Like, he doesn't even look where he's firing. It's such a great kind of metaphor for the entirety of his character. Yeah, and then the last thing is that once he learns the ice attack, he gains the Holy Light Spirit Man, where he just has, like, a bunch of balls all around his body and he's naked. (laughs) 
apparently it's like a balloon. So like a pinwheel pierces one of the balls, it just deflates everything and he turns back to his normal form. And just to be clear, that's what he was able to do by playing basketball with polar bears. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he had to train in Antarctica polar bears to be able to turn his head into a giant balloon. He's naked, except he's covered in balls, and then he has a tie. And Rena and everybody else is like, oh my god, that looks so dorky. And then I think Joe's boss says, fools, that ability gains power inverse to how dorky it is. <laughs> it's great. Tom, did you have any final thoughts about him before we switch to the next character? No, that's okay. I feel like Tom's going to talk like five words, but it's going to be the best five words of the entire episode. Yeah. Well, we're going to cut it to make his uh, attack ad for when he runs. Yes, exactly. I'm being very careful here. (laughs) Guard your words, Tom. (laughs) Once again, Tom just dodging questions. (laughs) Do you have anything to say about me, Tom and Joe? No. Again, dodging these questions. (laughs) You have two minutes on the clock, Tom. Can you please tell us and the dear American people what you think of Jose Reyna, the other main character? (laughs) Yeah, so Jose Reyna. I'm Lester Holt. That's it. That's all I get. (laughs) Thank you, Senator. Cut off immediately. Thank you, Senator. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So Haze Reyna is a high school freshman, and she is kind of a good foil to Joe. She's the one that attracts all these spirits and has this very optimistic, loving attitude to these spirits, which, once again, counters a lot of the negativity that Tama has to these spirits, right? And so I think in this, she plays this perfect, like, straight man. Like, that's her role. Give these little lines what the audience is thinking. So, like, she'll just, like, say how dumb something is. Like, he'll pull out a weapon or something crazy, and she'll just be like, what is that something that you're thinking as a reader which i think is really good dynamic i think between the two of them she has a down-to-earth quality way more so than any of the other characters like in any other manga she would be the damsel in distress and joe would be trying to save her and that's the expectation that the manga sets up and then it reveals no actually she's good friends with these spirits and stuff and has them as like her loyal kind of family she actually winds up being way stronger than everybody else in the series and way more correct in how to deal with these spirits. She has her hundred ghosts. It's fucking great, actually. Like, the first page, she's talking to her friend, and her friend's like, man, it it feels kind of cold here. I'm really afraid of ghosts and spirits. I really hope there isn't, like, a ghost around here. Rena's just like, I guess I probably shouldn't tell her that I'm constantly tailed by a hundred ghosts. After we get through these characters here, I think we should have an extra character section where we just go over the miscellaneous ghosts. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good to me. So the next main character is Kurusu Soya. He is kind of like a parody of like this badass shonen character. He's like Sasuke from Naruto where he's just better than everyone else in his class, which is the case here where he was just like a 10 out of 10 A student, except he actually can't see spirits. So he's effectively useless. He's in a similar situation to Joe, which I think is why they're friends. They have a great relationship. I love it. They scream at each other and it seems like they're arguing and like that they hate each other or something, but they'll just be like, you will find somebody one day. You'll be happy and go home and make sure you get in bed. Otherwise you'll catch a cold. It's great. Like they're very clearly close friends, but they're just constantly yelling at each other. They love each other very loudly. (laughs) Yeah, I just love how, like, they use him as, like, jokes of, like, what situations would look like if you couldn't see the ghosts. So, like, they're, like, cooking and stuff. He just sees, like, pots and pans flying in the air. (laughs) I guess he's just, like, an idiot, though, because he forgets, like, ghosts are real. But he thinks Reyna is psychic. So he thinks she's, like, telepathically cooking instead of the ghosts, which he knows about. So he's just that dumb that he forgot. 
Right. Even by the end, he'll say, like, why is she floating? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. They have a very sweet moment towards the very end where they wrap a bunch of ghosts in, like, Christmas lights so that Soya can see them. That was a good moment. It was a very sweet moment. I feel every series has, like, a sweet moment Jordan likes to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> when Jordan talks about the dad. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a special one of these days of the top eight Shonen Flop dads. Who's the worst dad that we've read? Maybe the dude from Beast Children, because they should have convinced him not to fucking play rugby. Oh, yeah, actually. <laughs> but no, his parents don't actually show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about in Zipman, when the main character finds out his twin brother faked his death. He never felt compelled to tell his parents that his brother is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking Zipman. That's a stupid series. Really good art, though. Yeah. Tom is like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> Don't worry about it, Tom. Don't worry about it. You don't have to read any of these series. Thank God. If there was ever a series that we're glad you read. <laughs> so the next, like, really important human character, I would say, is Takenoichi Janka. Yeah, Takenoichi Janka. So that guy. And so he says Jano, which I don't really know what that was supposed to represent. I hated that. It's like he's supposed to be like, you know, like they should have translated his name as like Yanka so that it would make more sense because it's supposed to be a pun on his name, like Janka Takanochi. Oh. But because they have the J there, it's one of those puns I'm sure it worked way better in Japanese. I assumed it was like a translation thing. Like there's a more elegant way to say it in Japanese that just is so jarring in English. <laughs> so basically he's just supposed to be like, yeah, I just came over here, you know? In my head, I read it like a Canadian saying A, but like way more abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like the series was probably a lot funnier in Japanese because of like a lot of these puns just are not easily translatable. And I feel like it probably took a lot of effort from the translations. Like a lot of it did translate enough that I was surprised about. So I, I feel like there's a lot of editing and a lot of translation happening with this one. But I would not have wanted to be on the translation team for this series. Right. <laughs> I noticed that too, because they make a lot of uses of the ray pun, which is a reminder, ray means ghost or spirit. So it's like security. They'll just throw it in a bunch of words. And that had to have been kind of tough. Unless that was like a joke. He said he like asked fans to send him ray puns, like the race alert. <laughs> He crowdsourced the jokes in this whole thing. <laughs> he was like, so-and-so from Osaka sent me the race alert pun. Oh, they should have had Ray Charles show up as a spirit. That would have fit. <laughs> so for reference, in the baseball, Babe Ruth just shows up. But it's like not really Babe Ruth. It's like a spirit that can like materialize as Babe Ruth, I think. They leave it kind of ambiguous. Yeah, they leave it legally ambiguous. <laughs> Nobody believes that he's Babe Ruth because, I mean, he's speaking Japanese. With a very distinctive accent. Yeah. I was still surprised they could just call him Babe Ruth. Yeah, same. Who owns the copyright on Babe Ruth? He was just a real guy. I assume his estate. We didn't really get into Takanochi Janka that much. He's not that important. I will say real quick, what he, he basically is, is he's a spirit collector. He's basically a Pokemon character. Like, he has these little balls that look like, I mean, they look like Pokeballs, but they look like the Zen Buddhist symbol. Well, yin-yang sign. And yeah, he throws them like Pokeballs and catches spirits. But then Ash Ketchum literally shows up in a panel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case it wasn't too on the nose, they had to specifically reference it. Yeah. I did like the introduction of the spirit black market as a concept. It leads to the best character. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think that's a good way segue into this, I guess, subsection where we'll talk about some of the more notable spirits. Jordan, why don't you lead 
talking about the spirits with everyone's favorite fish spirit. Shakajiro. Oh my god. So Takenoichi trades in all of the spirits that he has to get this one spirit that's supposed to be legendary and powerful. And then he releases it and it's like a dude in overalls with a salmon head. That's just him. He's a salmon and he speaks in fish puns. He's like, oh my god, what the carp? It's great, but he's always trying to build what he views as the salmon empire. And like he always uh, presents it as, oh boy, now's my chance to like sneakily trick people into joining my salmon empire, but it just winds up with him going like, hey man, would you like to join my empire? How do you feel about joining like a salmon empire? (laughs) The salmon empire is one of my favorite subplots. Yeah. Isn't that your political affiliation, Tom, actually? Oh, sorry, I'm not making any statements about my affiliation or not affiliation with the salmon empire. (laughs) Congressman Tom expressed in a podcast that he supported a Salmon Empire. (laughs) Fish Majority Leader Tom Weeks refuses to condemn the Salmon Empire. Changing the Pledge of Allegiance from One Nation Under God to One Nation Under Cod. (laughs) Oh, good one. Thank you. (laughs) He's proud of that one. It was worth bringing that dead joke back so I can make that joke. If you notice, yeah, a running thing is I compliment myself a lot in the show because no one else will, so... Oh Yeah, I'll unironically be like, that was a really good segue, David. <laughs> I think I said that you had a good segue once. <laughs> but yeah, so the last thing I want to say about our salmon friend is he's actually a very wholesome guy, despite everything about him. Like, when Janka gets in some trouble, he really prioritizes trying to get the main characters to come rescue him. Like, they throw him through a window, and like, his first instinct is to go run and get help, even though he just literally just got defenestrated. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. I literally can't believe I just said defenestrated in, like, a completely organic way. Yeah, I was very very impressed. Yeah, that's actually my favorite word, fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Before we move on, I do want to just quickly kind of go through a couple of the other ghosts. We got Zobiro, who is this big, tough spirit whose face is just covered in feet for some reason. I guess he's in a Quentin Tarantino movie. (laughs) We got Mr. Commentary, who is a ghost who just narrates and goes on long monologues, and he's a very nice guy. Yuko, who is a female ghost that is in love with Joe and has the ability to make herself appear like a human girl as long as she clenches one of her chakras. And then there are these two little kid ghosts, Tianpa, and their whole thing is they're just little kids. They also had a very sweet moment where they, like, helped Reyna when she was upset with homework. They gave her, found her flowers and stuff in the park. They're good kids. They're good kids. They are. Are there any other major ghosts? There was Opportunity, which is, like, a giraffe creature. (laughs) I didn't even know what it was, really. It came out of the audition process. Yeah, nobody knew what the hell that was. I think that was the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's just a lot of you gotta smile and nod jokes in this series. Yes, yes. I think one of my favorite ghosts that just kind of appears really briefly is in the second chapter, there's a basketball playing ghost. All he says is Dikembe Mutombo's name. (laughs) He just says like a long list of names. And I was like, who are these people? And I Google search it. And it's just, it turns out that Dikembe Mutombo just has a very long name. And he just was saying the whole time were different parts of his name. I think that's a good segue, though, into talking about the fact that this series can be a little too much sometimes to talk about really why this series failed. So, Tom, why don't you lead us off 
Yeah, so I feel like this series failed in the same way that, like, a sitcom would fail. It tried to throw a lot of comedy shotgun approach of just seeing what stuck without really solidifying any kind of consistent plot. And so a lot of the crazy stuff we're talking about is funny, and there's a lot of good moments, but it doesn't balance good world building with world building for the sake of comedy. So as a reader, I was super, like, it was hard to be grounded in knowing what was actually happening, what was real. What, what is the point of certain characters? What were the relationships? Because it would jump around so much for the sake of the joke. And at times it was so forward and how comedy focused it was without any kind of like emotional grounding or just world building grounding in general. Yeah. I felt like it was contractually obligated to have a plot where it was kind of trying to be both a gag of the week, but also because it's in Shonen Jump, it needs to still have some sort of goal it's running towards. Right. It reminds me of how Mashal had to adopt a plot after like 15 chapters and Mitama Security just did not want to. Yeah. Tom, for reference, Mashal, it's like, imagine if One Punch Man went to Hogwarts. That sounds very intriguing. <laughs> it's great. I'd actually recommend you, our guest, to check out episode 9, Mashal, to learn about why we thought that series is one you should read. Ooh, I will. I do want to say, I think that the biggest issue with Mitama Security is that it's just not a shonen manga. No, it's not. It's a slice of life manga. When this manga is the best is when there's no plot and we're just watching the characters interact and go through another day. There's a lot of fat in this. Like, the first half of this, you could have cut out, like, 10 to 15 chapters, and it would have had the same impact from a plot perspective, and probably be even better just because there's less dead weight. When it does try and be actually action, the art kind of starts to show its problems. The art is totally fine when it's just being, like, kind of a gag comic. It's pretty good, actually, I think. It does a good job of showing, like, characters expressing themselves. Some of the expressions in this manga, like, the comedic timing, on them is just fucking great. You know, when there is action, the artist just can't draw cool action. Yeah, I think it was the fight that introduces Janka for the first time. I don't think I knew it was happening. I think my eyes just kind of skimmed over the action, like you were saying. It just got so blurry and confused until just the end of the fight. I think a lot of the physical comedy suffers from that too, where like, they're making gags about how he's got like this ball form, and they're like making jokes about how he's rolling around, but the art doesn't convey the joke, so I just kind of was more like, oh, that's what he's trying to say, rather than thinking it's funny. Right. Now that we've kind of talked about only the really two or three things that we fought, it didn't do so well, we can turn it to the other direction, where I know George Jordan, you in particular really enjoyed this series. One of the things that I really liked about this manga was like how when you first meet the ghosts, they're just like totally generic. They don't really have any personality, but you slowly start to get to know them more. And by the end, like it feels like they're in a legitimate like family. There really is this sense of family that this manga build, you know, you don't get from a lot of other places. Like, I don't know what, how to describe it. It's just very uh, wholesome. <laughs> There is a wholesomeness, yes. <laughs> to that point, too, the character, like, development between the actual character, or the humans, I should say, and the spirits, I think fill a lot of gaps between each other, and I think it allows for a good opportunity between the comedy and some of the more heartfelt stuff that they kind of really are foils for each other, and I, I think the author did a great job creating these different characters that fit in this universe together. Yeah. The fact that you can start telling the spirits apart despite there not being a lot of physical difference really shows how well he's able to convey things through through, like, the personality and their body language. Like, you can 
just immediately tell when the narration ghost is in a scene just by the way that he acts. It's great. I'm going to say it's great all the fucking time, apparently. I guess that's my catchphrase now. (laughs) But I also think it's really cool how this series turns your typical uh, idea of what a shonen manga is kind of on its head. Like, it isn't a shonen manga, but it's a manga about shonen characters. Like, all these characters would be in a typical shonen jump manga. They would just be doing other things. Yeah. This is almost like you're catching them on their off days, you know? Would you call this, like, a parody of a typical shonen? It's definitely making fun of some things. Okay. <laughs> Isn't a direct parody, like, where Mashal is just straight up making fun of Harry Potter? This is more, it's sort of having fun with it. Like, it's loving. It's not, it's not, it doesn't feel mean-spirited in its jokes, you know? It's an homage. Isn't an homage just, like, a nice parody? Uh, yeah, like, paying respect to something in a, in a nice, loving way. It's the one leaving flowers, you know, at the, what would you say this most makes fun of? Uh, Yu Hakusho? I was going to say, yeah, it's the one leaving flowers that you use Hakusho's grave every year. <laughs> well, I guess it did it for one year because it only lasted a year. Yeah, you Hakusho leaves flowers at its grave. <laughs> kind of like what Jordan was talking about before, I think one of the stronger elements was the technical drawing part of the comedy. Just a lot of the reveals when you turn a page or the next frame were so smart and well done. And it would, it, even like we talked about the salmon demon, I should have expected it because like obviously they're going to make fun of it. Like, they talked up this demon. I should have known it was going to be a silly thing. But the next page, just seeing the salmon go, what's up? Just made me cackle. There were so many moments like that that were so well done, I think. I think Mashal should just rescue the Salmon character and just add it. Because he would fit in so well into Mashal. Oh, he would be perfect for Mashal, actually. That would be amazing. Tom's going to read Mashal and be like, guys, I thought this series was trash. (laughs) Mashal is shorter than this series. By the way, Tom, it's only like 30 chapters. Oh, wow. So far. It's selling super well thanks to our episode, so... Did you guys write Mashal secretly? (laughs) I would not be doing this show if I wrote Mashal. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this series, I really appreciate how they actually did kind of their groundwork for some of the jokes. Like, they show the main character actually learning basketball and how to cook and stuff, so it's not like he pulled those skills out of his ass when he's, like, dunking on ghosts and stuff. That section is so funny because what happens is his former teacher shows up whose name is Stripes because he has a stripe outfit. Yeah. Like pinstripes. And he talks about how he taught Joe everything he knows. And then they go through the uh, montage. And at the end of the montage, he says, well, now you're really good at basketball. Yeah. And then he's just like, and then there were a few years where Joe worked really hard to become a spirit detective kind of person. And I wasn't a part of that, but he did a good job. I love when he said, now you are a good basketball man, which I thought was like the funniest phrase I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Right? I think this series had probably some of the highest highs of any series I've ever read. Yeah, when it hits, it hits. (laughs) There's not a lot of comedy mangas that really, really make me laugh. Definitely Chainsaw Man's last week's episode, Jordan, is still probably the loudest I've ever like legitimately laughed out loud at a chapter of a manga. So for context, uh, Tom, in this series, Chainsaw Man, this dude is, like, fused with a demon, and he gets, like, manipulated into, like, giving up his humanity, and he goes berserk. And the lady who did it is like, oh, I'm gonna send in my super squad to take him down. And then he just kills all of them, like, really easily, like, in one hit. And she just is smiling, and she goes, okay, this looks unwinnable. (laughs) 
And she just says it, like, really happily like that. Right. I don't think I'd ever laugh that hard out loud while reading a manga before in my entire life. God, there were parts of this manga that made me laugh out loud in ways that other manga have not. I don't remember the specific ones. A lot of them had to do with Shakajiro, the salmon character. He's just funny to look at. All his dialogue is hilarious. I like how she's followed by a literal Congo line of ghosts. It means that there is a literal plot line. So when they defeat like certain spirits that go AWOL, they go back in the line. So they're like, well, we'll see them in 10 to 15 chapters. <laughs> There's even that one spirit earlier on, uh, the cooking spirit that they exercised way in the beginning. And he reappears at the end and they were like, didn't we exercise you in the beginning? And he was just there in line. Yeah, or the the dude's grandpa, the detective ghost who keeps possessing his son, like, or his grandson, like, three times. Oh, God. It occurred to me, finally, that that was a Sherlock Holmes joke. His name was Holmesaboro, like, Holmesaboro. Oh. Holmes. That went over my head. Yeah, again, it would have made more sense in Jap- Japanese, I imagine. Right. <laughs> From a non-comedic point of view, I think that Rena is a girl who's bad at high school. She just doesn't have very good grades, but her mom is like super on her to get into the best school and just work harder and do all this stuff. Well, Joe has literally been trying to overcome this internalized terror of spirits, and he just can't. Soya also is trying to overcome the fact that he just can't see spirits, but it doesn't matter. These dovetail really interestingly. It kind of becomes a manga about accepting your own fault. Rina's mother makes her commit to getting into, like, the toughest Tokyo University, but the last chapter, she just like, yeah, no, of course I didn't get in there. I'm, I'm starting at a local Tokyo community college. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> to that point, like, I feel like there was this, and I don't know if it kind of drifted away from this, but in the beginning, I felt like there was this kind of subtext of the spirits themselves representing that kind of flaws, because I think the cooking spirit that showed up in the beginning where she was like cooking that like awful curry or stew or something and it appeared when it was like she made this trash soup does the spirit represent her flaws and, and stuff like that but I don't think it really went there but there was some kind of subtext like that with the evil spirit part of it and just your own flaws and things like that what's great there is that she's able to make a great dish by using the spirits who are following her mm-hmm. and I think that that is really one of the main themes here, which is that like, yeah, you on your own are probably not good enough, but you're not alone. You have a family. You have people around you who want to help you and who have the expertise that you lack. I think that that is really what this manga is trying to say. I appreciated the fact that they actually literally had an episode focusing just on the narration ghosts. Yeah. They're like, now for something completely different, we're just going to focus on one of the ghosts and that really let them keep that ghost as like a main like character. Like I said, you can see him in a crowd now. You can tell it's him just from his body language, which without that chapter, you couldn't have. You really love him because he's basically like, yeah, I haunted a bunch of people before, but I would just keep talking and bug the shit out of them. And they would like tell me to leave because I was annoying them. (laughs) But he follows Rena because she's the one person who like listens to him and is like, no, you're interesting. I love hearing what you say. It's adorable. Going back to before when they cook that stew together, like she gives those roles to the the spirits that make sense. Like Mr. Commentary, read the instructions and stuff like that. And it all kind of ties together. Yeah. I think he's my favorite spirit. Next to the fish. The fish is the best character by far, but. (laughs) The fish is on another level. Yeah. There's a reason the fish got his own section in the character discussion. (laughs) When he gets water on him, he turns into a realistic fish head that starts saying things like, DHA! DHA! Vitamin B12 is good for you! 
Get your fish oil. Yeah, it's great. So the next one is, I really, really appreciate that the main character's relationship never becomes romantic. It is always like a paternal relationship. And that would have been super awkward because there's like a 10-year age gap. So very, very appreciative of the writer knowing that would have been a terrible idea otherwise. There were like two moments in like the entire manga where it started to sort of hint that there was a romance, but it's always kind of like questionable and it doesn't go into that, you know? And it usually makes Reina the narrator of that relationship. So it kind of makes sense in that sense of like almost like a babysitter crush kind of thing, which I think makes sense, but not the other way around, which would be the problematic part. <laughs> yeah. It becomes very clear that like Joe loves Reina, but it's much more paternal or maternal, as we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah. Than romantic, which yes, is absolutely is more beneficial here. Yeah. And then my last point is I just fought the fake montage in the last chapter because they have a giant time skip because they have to wrap everything up in one chapter. And he's like, we went through some crazy adventures. Like, remember we went to the spirit world and like, you know, all this. And she was like, I don't remember any of that happening. (laughs) There's all fake flashbacks. This manga ends perfectly. Yes, it does. That is the exact way to end a manga, especially if you have to do it all of a sudden. Like, all of the weird shit that really just hamstrings every other manga works totally fine here due to the lack of a plot. And in fact, the last chapter is almost a parody of other manga failing to end. Yeah, it's like they have a group photo at the end, but does it feel really cheesy? Because that's something you legitimately knew those characters would have done. Yeah. Oh man, what do they keep saying at the end? It's like, we're gonna keep working harder. Which is something that gets repeated, I've noticed, in a lot of these manga where there's like a sudden time skip. And in this final chapter, Rena keeps going like, why are you saying that? We're done. Why are you acting like we have more adventures? We're done. I'm in college. Like, what are you talking about? You don't go to college in Shonen Mangos. Yeah. (laughs) I love how at the end, the last chapter starts out with Raina saying, well, that was some crazy times, but that was a long time ago. My current life is totally different. And then Joe and Soya and even her mom just show up to move into her new apartment along with 1,300 ghosts. And, like, all of the security, like, agents. It's a whole apartment complex. <laughs> it's a new headquarters. Yeah. The ending was so good. I probably wrote it ahead of time. Because the way the series is structured, he can literally end it at any moment. Yeah. Probably have that in, like, a box of, like, in case of cancellation. <laughs> He might have. It works. I can't overstate how much the opposite it is from Bone Collection. Yeah. This is the first series we've read that actually had like an ending that felt like if he had had as long as he wanted, it still would have probably had this exact ending. (laughs) I don't know if I would say that, but I will say it doesn't feel like, oh man, this is like such a missed opportunity or something. Which Not that I wouldn't have liked this series to go on more, although that's a spoiler for the verdict, I guess. Mm. But it really does feel like, yeah, okay, that's a decent way to end it, actually. Yeah, by being canceled prematurely, though, I feel like it's almost worth it just because of how good the fake montage is. Because if it had gone on for years, then it really wouldn't have been as funny. That's true. So maybe it was worth it. (laughs) For the best joke in this series, got canceled early. I feel like Dan Harmon should, like, direct, like, a an anime or a live action because he loves making the fake montage joke. Like, Community had it. Rick and Morty has had that joke, like, three times. <laughs> That'd be good, yeah. <laughs> we'll pitch this to him and find out. Hey, Dan, what's up? My best friend. I'll give him a call. Yeah. Tom, you work in the industry, don't you? The industry? Yeah. I thought he was a congressman. Get your story straight, Dave. <laughs> Isn't Dan Harmon, like, the senator of Arizona? 
(laughs) (laughs) This is a fun one, I can tell. As we've talked about before, there's definitely been a lot of pieces that we would have wanted to do a bit differently. There was a lot of weaknesses the series had that I think it really could have improved on from, I would say, mostly a structural perspective. Like, the writing was good, the art was okay, but I really think the most important thing is that Shonen Jump is just not where this series should have been published. I think it really should have been in one of those gag magazines, because there were times where you could tell there were jokes that just, they needed to make it 16 pages, there was plot lines because Shonen Jump just probably required them to have some sort of narrative progression, and that's just not where this author's strength was, and it really just sacrificed the overall quality, because he was kind of forced to fit a non-Shonen Jump series into Shonen Jump, and I'm actually really surprised how this got picked up by Shonen Jump in the first place. I think that's a fair point, but I also feel like the fact that it's in Shonen Jump makes the gags funnier a little bit, because it's like in the place that it's making fun of. That is true, but then it would still have the page limits. Like, he would need to be at least 16 to 22, where there was a lot of things he was doing where he just couldn't do that. Because here's the thing, Shonen Jump has delivery mechanisms for non-typical series. One Punch Man is a Shonen Jump series. So is Kaiju Number 8, where the dude just takes a week off every month because he just doesn't want to do it weekly. So this series could have been like an online-only series, where if he wants to make 8 pages, he could. That would probably be the best situation. Tom, what would you say is probably something that you would have really liked the series to have done differently? I think, like, from just a general pacing storytelling perspective, like, when you sent me this, I was hoping it was going to be more like a detective investigation kind of thing, where almost like that one chapter that was like the karaoke one, where there was like a haunting spirit somewhere, and they were going to investigate why they were haunting there and figure out how to make the spirit pass on, which I think would have had some more, like, emotional weight beyond just this gag comedy of the whole series. And also allowed it to have some more depth, I think, in each of the chapters to really explore who the spirit is, why they're haunting them, and, you know, also explore the relationship of Reina and Matama, who obviously Reina would want to make the spirit pass on naturally of their own accord, and Matama's more about trying to exercise them and having that kind of conflict allow the characters to grow. I think just having that kind of storytelling perspective would have had it be a little bit more dragged out in depth, I think, and rather having it be a quick, short gag chapters. And that makes a lot of sense. All right, guys, let's talk about miscellaneous thoughts, because I can't think of a good segue right now. <laughs> Tom, why don't you lead us off? <laughs> I get, I get one, I get one freebie per episode. <laughs> <laughs> good segue, David. <laughs> Thank you. I have more of a question than a thought for you guys, and I want you to prove me wrong, maybe, but I was kind of curious. It was my assumption, and typically with, like, Japanese storytelling, that spirits and ghosts were handled way differently than, like, Western American culture, and I feel like this was, like, very Americanized, like, the whole ghost storytelling stuff. Is that a wrong assumption? It can depend. So you might be thinking about yokai, which is like a very distinctively Japanese spirit thing where yokai are kind of like these little creatures, spiritual creatures that come in lots of different shapes and sizes. And obviously, you know, like Digimon Pokemon really feeds into that. Right. But I wouldn't say it's unheard of for manga to have, like, this kind of ghost element to it. Like, as we talked about, Yu Yu Hakusho had a very Western approach similar to this. Bleach was more Japanese, but it was still, like, ghost haunting people. So, actually, with that in mind, so maybe it is also that Japanese does still have, like, Western-style just spooky ghosts. Yeah, I think that's kind of the case. Like, obviously, Japan has its own traditions. They have their own symbology. They have their own uh, religious context. But at the end of the day, I think that there are a lot of similarities. They are still afraid of ghosts. It's still kind of spooky. You still have, like, exorcisms. Just the specific art and cultural, like, terms and stuff is different. Interesting. When I was in Japan, I got an arrow, a Shinto spirit arrow, which is literally like a dreamcast catcher the dreamcast 
You got a Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> yes, I just have a Dreamcast. Um, you know, I put feathers on it. You should see the size of the bow I shoot it out of. <laughs> it hits people and tells them to play Shenmue. You know what I say every time I fire that arrow? What? I lean in and I whisper to the arrow, gotta go fast. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna go, Sega! <laughs> you know what? That's actually what I say. Yeah, it's a much funnier joke. Nice try, Jordan. Sega! Boom! <laughs> Another miscellaneous thought I had was just how her dad, like, comes up once and you think he's gonna be this big deal, and then he never comes up again. I was very excited about that, because it made it seem like either she was gonna be, like, Reina was gonna be related to Matama, or, like, her dad was actually a part of security or whatever. Yeah, they never explored it. That might have been something that was going to be explored if the manga kept going, to be honest. Oh, gotcha. So, Tom, for context, series like this usually lasts about four years, so imagine if there was probably about four times as much material as you read being the entire series. (laughs) (laughs) Probably those fake montages were all ideas he had he was going to actually do. We would have gotten volleyball. Volleyball 100% was going to be the next sport. Then tennis, there's a whole bunch of, there's a bunch more. Oh my god, this dude should make a mini golf series. (laughs) He is the perfect person to make a shonen sports manga parody about mini golf. I agree. (laughs) For context, Tom, like third episode, we did this series on real golf, and they tried to make golf seem really cool, and it just came off as like really lame. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, they should have had the same energy for mini golf, but it wouldn't have come off as like really lame, because we know they would have just been fucking around. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, golf is the new basketball. We're like, no, it's not. No one fucking cares about golf. But mini golf, on the other hand. Mini golf is better than regular golf. I'm sorry. Just is. Dude, mini golf slaps. (laughs) That's uh, that's a t-shirt right there. Mini golf slaps. (laughs) So why don't we turn things to our final verdict? And let's start things off with our six-word summary. My six-word summary is a really spirited gag manga, Salmon. Beautiful. Keeping in my head for 10 miles of bike riding was clearly worth it based on how funny you guys thought that was. <laughs> Are you going to edit in laughing? I always do. <laughs> I just have generic clips of me and Jordan laughing that I insert sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you, too. You should get, like, Jimmy Fallon canned laughter or something. Right. <laughs> Make you guys and your guests record 10 seconds of laughter with the silence. So you have that as well. <laughs> yeah. When I worked at Comcast, Jimmy Fallon was technically my coworker because he worked for NBC, which Comcast owns. Oh. I sent him a coworker request on LinkedIn and he never responded and that really hurt. Man, fuck Jimmy Fallon. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. What the fuck? That's rude as hell. <laughs> I know, right? Jordan, what is your six-word summary? My six-word summary was very lazy. Um, ghosts and gags and basketball games. That's pretty good. How about you, Tom? Mine's a formula, and the pluses don't count as words, so I'm bending the rules. <laughs> it's Men in Black plus Pokemon plus Six Sense. I like it a lot. That means Tom has the best six-word summary of the week, which means you get a $5 gift card to Sizzlers. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't know this was a competition. Well, that's because you never say ones that are worth mentioning that there's a competition for. (sighs) Ouch. That's bullshit. I totally have. But okay. (laughs) (laughs) Does that count as a political donation? (laughs) Well, as long as it's under $10, it's good. Tom's wife is going to listen to this and be like, are you running for Congress and you didn't tell me? (laughs) (laughs) Also, why are you on a manga podcast? This is the demographic he's vying for, which is why he's going to (laughs) lose. I like it. The manga swing voters. (laughs) Listen to manga podcasts. He's going to win off the weeb vote. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's it. One day we will have a weeb president. <laughs> sure. Alright, so anyway, this is gonna be spicy, so I'm gonna let you guys go first with flop or not. I'm seeing your verdict. I'm not happy about it, but let's go. Yeah. <laughs> This is not very suspenseful. It's one of those where it's like, if he's not just saying it, you know what he's thinking. <laughs> all right. So, Tom. I don't think this was a flop at all. I think maybe a week before this recording, I just kind of read like seven or eight or so a day chapters. When I was done reading the chapters, I wasn't like, oh, I want to keep going. It wasn't like a page turner. But when I sat down to read the chapters, I was very like excited to do it. I was ready to jump in to see what was, you know, the episode of the week, what was going to be next. Uh, I love the characters. And I think it didn't feel like a chore at all. And I think like Jordan said, us versus you here. We think there's a lot of heart in this uh, this uh, series, so I don't think it was a flop at all. Yeah. How about you, Jordan? I agree. I think this is the best series we've read. I really enjoyed it. This is not a flop at all. Like, there is a real heart to this series. There are very good characters. There's funny jokes, but, like, at the end of the day, I, I just, I enjoyed these characters, and I enjoyed them interacting, and I, I would love to read more. I think you guys might have won me over, because I was like, if a 7 is not a flop, I was going to say this is like a 6.9, but I think I will ever so barely say this is not a flop, because here's the reason. I feel like reading this series was eating a cake that was entirely made out of icing, where it's awesome for like two bites, but then you're like, this is just icing, there's no substance to it, and that's where really the format it had to keep to and where it's published makes these weaknesses really apparent. There is no structure, it is literally just sugar all the time, and you know, you just kind of get sick if that's all you're doing is literally just eating icing for 45 chapters. But I will just barely say it's not a flop. But I want to say that's why I feel kind of hard on this series. Yeah, because I also disagree. I think that this series does have, like, some very core value. I think there is something underneath the jokes. There's a real sweetness to this manga. Like, there's a real sense of family. You really start to enjoy the characters and just seeing them interact, you know? So I actually think there is a lot of substance here. That's fair. Yeah. And I also think to that point, too, like, if you asked me that question, like, in the first, I don't know, 10 chapters, I probably would agree with you and been like, yeah, I didn't really like where was going the comedy was a lot but i think by the end it started to get really solid which makes me sad because i wanted to see more from that point on once it started to kind of get more solid around the characters and the plot and the point of everything their relationship together yeah i agree okay so is this better than samurai 8 not even a question it's better than samurai 8 this is the best one that we've read so far uh all right yeah i'll say because it's not like i love samurai 8 either i'll give it to you yeah best series we've read we keep pushing the needle slowly inching tom for the first like six episodes we kept saying which is the least shitty series series. <laughs> We're getting close to actually being upset a series got canceled. Nice. I legitimately like this series. I am upset that it got canceled. I'm already there. I liked it, but I'm not shedding tears I got canceled. I think I had my fun with it, and I don't think I would have kept reading it weekly if I had picked it up. That's fair. It doesn't feel like there was a lot left on the table, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is why that flashbacks that never happened, it was like the perfect moment for that scene to happen. Because <laughs> he just got to burn all the material he had left. That was great. David, would you read, like, a monthly special of this? Yeah, if this was, like, monthly or if this was, like, eight pages a week, I would adore this series. But in the format it was in, it was not a series I would have probably put on my actual weekly rotation. I would agree there. I think that the format is, and, like, the context, maybe, is absolutely the things that hold, that are holding this back. The problem is, is he ended the series so well he can't even revive it. <laughs> He just ignored it and was just like, okay, everything from here on is a prequel. I would buy it, because fucking what? whatever. I imagine, like, characters die in between, and they're still at the end, and they're like, wait, didn't they die, and they just shrug? We're ghosts. Don't you know what series you're reading? 
Oh yeah, death doesn't mean anything in this series. Yeah. <laughs> this is our first time our guest has not considered a series of flops, so I don't really know what Tom should do, because Tom has not read Chainsaw Man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Guys, I broke the formula. <laughs> Tom, what's the best anime you've ever seen? Well, I'll tell you that one of the more recent ones I, I really enjoy is the Castlevania series on Netflix. Have you guys seen that? Okay, is this better or worse than the Castlevania series? That's tough, because there's opposite themes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say Castlevania is better. That's fair. But like, from a production standpoint, but I did enjoy this a lot. And then this is definitely not as good as Chainsaw Man, which is still the crown of currently running like Shonen Jump series. I would agree with that. I mean, I think Chainsaw Man is better than this, definitely, but still, I really enjoyed this. Actually, you know what's a better question is, Jordan, do you think this is better or worse than Mashal? Ooh, this is tough. You know what, man? I think it's kind of better than Mashal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am 100% disagreeing with you with that. We look forward to our follow-up episode where we force, we, I mean, we strongly encourage Tom to read Mashal and Chainsaw Man and get his thoughts on it. <laughs> I'll do a follow-up recording of my thoughts. <laughs> it's going to be our weekly follow-up, because the joke is Tom's last name is Week. Check in with our foreign correspondent, Tom. Senior political correspondent, Tom Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom's on the field. Be like on Fox News, where they just bring old, uh, old retired conservative congressmen on, you know? <laughs> I was going to slowly increase Tom's, like, political title to be, like, a congressional candidate, a congressional nominee to senator, and then VP, then president. <laughs> and it's, yeah, just be, like, Secretary of State hopeful, Tom Weeks. <laughs> Vice President-elect. Supreme Chancellor. <laughs> oh, now we're getting to the Empire. Darth Tom. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I think Axe, which is like the chemistry fraternity, their head is called like the Supreme Alchemist. Oh god, this fucking nerd. Czar <laughs> Tom. Czar <laughs> Tom the Weak. <laughs> Tom, did you ever name your bachelor party the, the Tom Weekend? <laughs> no. Unf- yeah, it should have been. I'll have another. I'll have another. I'm just picturing a parody of like the rapper The Weekend, but actually it's spelled correctly. Oh my god. <laughs> It's just a white guy. It's just me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. So I just want to kind of start wrapping things up with shout outs. First of all, props to Jordan for making the awesome theme song you heard at the start of this episode. Props to Aaliyah for making this episode's cover. And Nushal Francis for being our generous art benefactor. I also want to thank Tim Plumador for his awesome work as our social media manager. I also want to thank Tucker for providing us with name pronunciations for this episode. Look out for a super awesome bonus episode where he kind of breaks down how you pronounce these names and also kind of talk about the kanji and really what the names mean in Japanese. I also really want to thank you, Tom, for taking the time to join us on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for coming, Tom. Tom, is there anything you'd like to plug on this episode? I do nothing creative, guys. This was my most creative outlet in recent history, so I appreciate it. <laughs> you don't even want to, like, shout out to your voters or encourage people to, like, come vote? Go vote. There you go. <laughs> yeah! In this election, literally. I can plug something a little bit. My wife, actually, Sarah, runs an Etsy shop for macrame. So if you want to give someone a gift for Christmas or something, a nice little wall hanging that's handmade, go to Milo Macrame on Etsy. It's M-I-L-O Macrame. 
I also really want to remind people, if you're enjoying our episodes, to please like and share. It really helps us a ton to expand our audience. You know, we are still on that path to trying to get a thousand listeners per episode. So we're making some really good progress, but we really can't do it without your support. In particular, I want to give shout outs to people that shared our last episode. That one welder guy, Overpickled, Tampacora, We Get Dumped, Podcast, Mech Anime Review, Nerdy Flow, HP Lovin' Stuff, Anime 3000, Kohai Beans Podcast, Catching Up on Cinema, Trafalgar Wolfwood. I also want to give a big shout out to people that have left us iTunes reviews. It really does help us a ton be found better in the iTunes store. This is where the majority of our listeners are. So I want to give a shout out to J. Jana Jameson and someone who wrote just a bunch of letters that I'm not going to try and pronounce because that's definitely not a name. So if that is your name, I am very sorry, but I assume that you just matched the keyboard for the name field. J. Jana Jameson is a great username. (laughs) So I also have a shout out today too. A friend of mine's cat has been experiencing a lot of medical issues, and the cat's name is Pickles, so I would like to direct you to a website called Save the Pickle, where you can buy really cute shirts that say Save the Pickle on them and have adorable drawings of a cat on a milk carton, and it will go to help my friend pay for their cat's medical bills. That's really cute. Yeah, so please, help them out. You should get Dan Harmon on that. Yeah. With the whole Pickle Rick. Oh, save the Pickle Rick. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of general shout-outs, I first want to give a shout-out to The Nerd Alternative. They are a black British podcast talking about the weird and wonderful look into the vast expanse of nerdum. From anime, books, movies, games, and TV, they cover it all. You can find them on Spotify at The Nerd Alternative. The next one I want to give a shout-out to is the Black Anime Podcast. They are raw, unfiltered, weekly anime podcasts straight out of Dallas. And you can find them at podlink.to slash BLA anime podcast. Finally, check out A Few Bad Apples, which is a podcast that spotlights crimes of police brutality and excess force. It's available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find Shonen Flop on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and at our website, ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, or really wherever else you can get your podcasts. If you find something that we're not on, let us know and we'll put ourselves on it. We want to be everywhere. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Tom. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers.